I'm Barry Trammell. And I'm Jenny Carlson. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. Hey, Barry, it's week two of the college football season, at least for OU and OSU. OU going to host SMU. OSU going on the road for Arizona State. Now, these games, we figure they're going to be a little bit tougher test than what these teams saw in week one, uh, both the Sooners and the Cowboys facing not very tough tests in their season openers. Uh, yeah, this week they're branching out. They're not playing teams from Arkansas. <laughs> they're, uh, what we got is a couple of odd matchups, though. OU, SMU, a classic SEC, ACC preview <laughs> since both schools will be in different leagues next year. And, of course, OSU, Arizona State, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a Big 12 matchup come next year. I don't know if they'll play, but they played in 22. They're playing in 23. They could be playing in 24 as members of the Big 12. So, uh, conference realignment makes for strange bedfellows. Definitely so. Yeah, and like you say, this this SMU move it's it's recent. Just happened last week. Yeah, and you know I find it odd. Um, you know that what what the Mustangs are doing. I'm actually writing about it this week. You know they they basically said we're not. Uh, you don't have to pay us. We'll just come for free. Um, not going to take any ACC TV money for nine years. Nine years. And uh, that you, they won in a, a conference really bad, a, a power conference. Thought they might get in the Pac-12. Sort of knew the door was shut to the Big 12. Then here comes the, uh, the ACC taking Stanford and Cal at reduced rates. And SMU saying, let us jump on board the wagon and we'll ride, uh, you know, we'll ride on the tailgate. And you don't have to pay us anything. So um, it's it's a strange time in college football. But I'm happy for SMU. You know, if you look at the Southwest Conference, uh, when it de- demised in uh, 1995, 1996, four teams, four schools were left behind, left for dead. Three of the four now are back in the Power Five. TCU and Houston have gotten in the Big 12. SMU headed to the ACC. Only The only one left out is Rice. So... Uh, strange, strange times, but uh, happy for SMU. Yeah, and you know, and you mentioned that nine years, Barry. There's going to be when SMU finally receives ACC money, their football players are going to have been kids who are currently in elementary school. I mean, that's <laughs> crazy to think about. Nine years that they said we don't want any of your money. Now they want it, but they felt like to I think get that ACC invite. That's what they had to do. Clearly, the ACC expansion, you know, it it's not maybe not the maybe not the weirdest. I mean, I think when the Big Ten decided it was going into uh, La La Land and taking USC and UCLA, I think it was sort of a, a a shock to the senses. But Atlantic Coast Conference now has schools that are in states that border the Pacific Ocean, so it's it, it's completely wacky. But uh, I think SMU. Um, I, you, you are writing about uh, SMU's move, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, you point out the attendance. SMU football not highly attended. Their stadium's only a little over 30,000 uh, capacity. But look at some of the attendance numbers of some other teams that are already in Power 5 leagues, whether you're talking about Boston College, um, you know, Rutgers. I mean, there's a lot of Power 5 teams that don't have great football attendance. So I don't think that that's a be-all, end-all Clearly, Barry, uh, the the SMU move 
They really believe in their boosters, sort of carrying them financially. And they're willing to, to, to have that connection to a Power Five conference and the, the cachet that comes with that. They're willing to, to make those sacrifices just to get in that club. Yeah, and SMU actually fits sort of culturally with the ACC. Uh, you look at Wake Forest, Boston College, Duke, uh, schools like that. They don't have uh, huge fan bases. They don't have massive stadiums. Uh, they could occasionally play some pretty good football. SMU should be pretty well uh, situated to compete in the uh, ACC. Now, you know, they're not going to be Clemson. They're not going to be Florida State. They're not going to be maybe not even North Carolina. But I think SMU can be successful in the ACC. So it's to me, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating uh, development. And here's what I like about it. Everybody is always talking about uh, contraction and getting smaller and the power five is going to get smaller down to the power four or the power two, even who knows. But what we uh, what we've seen is actually more opportunity here in the recent uh, realignment. More schools have joined the power five than have left it. So uh, we'll see what happens. Let's get to the game, Jacko. SMU's coming to town. They beat Louisiana Tech, dominated the uh, the Bulldogs in week one. Of course, Oklahoma routes Arkansas State 73 zip. Uh, this is an easy September for Oklahoma. Is it possible that these Mustangs are going to be the best barometer for the OU September? Are they going to be the best team the Sooners face this month? Yeah, it's possible because after this, a game at Tulsa, then Cincinnati uh, in a Big 12 opener, at Cincinnati, I mean, obviously the going on the road, which a you know fan base that's going to be totally excited to have OU come for a Big Twelve you know a game. I think that that's going to be going to have some challenges. But Cincinnati, not great, and then the Iowa State game, and we know Iowa State's been decimated by uh, you know recruiting or I'm sorry, a, a, a betting scandal. You know who they've got available, when they've got them available, seems to kind of change by the moment uh, in Ames. So. I think this could be, you know, really interesting what SMU did against La Tech. Obviously, OU a much better opponent than La Tech, La Tech, but had six sacks, held them to 25 yards rushing, Barry. So I think that SMU defensively uh, does present a challenge, and they've got some tailbacks, you know, transfer portals, everything these days. They've got some running backs that uh, were at some Power 5 schools before, um, and some guys that Brent Venables even said, hey, I'm well aware of these guys. I recruited them before. So I think that speaks to the quality of some of these um, some of these guys playing some of those uh, those talent positions, if you will. So I think this could potentially be uh, the toughest test that the Sooners have before that Texas game in October. SMU, of course, the last couple of years has had Tanner Mordecai at quarterback, the OU transfer. He's moved on to Wisconsin now. So. The Mustangs have turned to Preston Stone. Now, Preston Stone is from Dallas Episcopal, local kid, very highly re uh, rated recruit. In fact, 24-7, uh, the uh, big recruiting people say it's the number. he's the number one recruit ever at SMU, highest rated recruit at SMU. Well, maybe that's in 24-7's annals. Uh, <laughs> what about a guy know, named Eric day, Dickerson, Barry? Eric Dickerson and Craig James. Uh, not not bad guys to sign up to your ball team, shall we say? Um, <laughs> but but clearly, it's a good sign that you know they've got a quarterback like this, who who a uh, local kid who was Brent Venables told us yesterday 
that Clemson recruited the guy when uh, when he was at, when Venables was out at Clemson. So um, clearly, SMU's recruiting has uh, gone an upgrade. Sonny Dykes did a very good job at um, at SMU four years. He had a thirty and eighteen record, which is very good for uh, very good for the Mustangs. Uh, now Rhett Lashley has come aboard second year. Uh, did a fine job the first year. It looks like he's a big Gus Mal- Malzahn. Um, pro, uh, protege. So he's uh, he's a guy that knows his offense that can get some things done. I think the future's pretty bright. Uh, and, you know, one other cool thing about SMU is uh, the athletic director is Rick Hart, who is uh, who was Joe Castiglione's right-hand man in the early part of this century, 99 to 2006. He was part of Joe's executive staff. So long-time, uh, long-time AD, uh, been at SMU 11 years. So there's lots to like about the Mustangs. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, and you know what? You mentioned Preston Stone, the quarterback. If they recruited him at, recruited him at Clemson after what we saw the other night against Duke, maybe they should have tried to land him a little bit harder. That Clemson yeah. offense stunk, Barry. You know, Garrett, you know, Garrett Riley was the coordinator. I was expecting, you know, a lot of people expecting great things out of Garrett Riley, uh, who, who was at SMU with Dykes. Then at TCU with Dykes, now at Clemson with Dabo Swinney, and it hasn't gone as well for him uh, one game in as it did at TCU and at SMU. So I think they're I think expecting more than seven points a game. I think that's yeah, a, a, yeah, a yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Some that, that was some uh, red zone disaster for the Clemsons. Hey, let's uh, let's move on from the Sooners. Let's go uh, over to the Cowboys. They're going to the desert, Oklahoma State at Arizona State on Saturday night. And what do we make of these teams? We're looking at a team that uh, barely scraped by a Division One AA opponent, uh, played uh, not very well, uh, was sort of flirting with defeat. And we are talking about both teams. Arizona State did it. OSU did it. OSU against Central Arkansas. Arizona State against Southern Utah. What do you make of two teams that barely get by one AA opponents? Well, I think this is a game where we start to figure out what that week one was for them. Was that a sign of trouble or was that maybe an outlier? I mean, we've talked before, Barry, that Oklahoma State has had it's had its struggles early in the season against not great teams. Uh, You know, I think a near uh, close call, near defeat against a FCS opponent always brings up what happened a couple of years ago with Missouri state when the bears had a chance to actually win the ball game against Oklahoma state. But there's other examples uh, of Oklahoma state not having great early performances against lesser teams. So maybe this is a trend for Oklahoma State. Maybe they'll be just fine. Um, I don't know enough about the Arizona State history. Obviously, they've been not as good overall the last decade or two. Um, You know, I think uh, you wrote earlier this week about Dirk Cutter landing at uh, Arizona State instead of OSU after he'd said yes to OSU, and OSU hires less miles. That's really uh, an inflection point for both programs, Barry. Les Miles takes over and the Cowboys take off. Dirk Cutter goes to Arizona State. The Sun Devils just haven't been much good in the last two decades. They've had moments where they've been okay, but nothing that has approached what Oklahoma State's success has been. So um, I don't know what those openers mean, but I think against better talent this week, I think this is where both Oklahoma State and Arizona State have to be looking to say, hey, 
we need to show who we really are. And so I think they're going to, I think they're both going to be playing better ball than we saw a week ago, probably more plays out of the playbook being used, but we're going to, I think this is going to be a pretty telling week for both of these ball teams. Yeah. On, on that, your Dirk Cutter point, don't, don't you find it interesting? Um, 22, 23 years ago, um, most people would say Dirk Cutter made the right move. Arizona State was a better job than OSU. Two decades later, it's reversed. Most people would say Oklahoma State's a better job. They've been successful at a much higher level for a long time. I find it interesting. Uh, the Blue Bloods, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, those jobs don't really change much. But um, other jobs do sort of go through through uh, changes and, and uh, peaks and valleys. Uh, Oklahoma State has clearly shown in the last 15 years that it's got uh, it's got the uh, jump on Arizona State. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned the ASU. Kenny Dillingham's in his first year. He's done a make a, a roster makeover. It's not like Deion Sanders, but Arizona State's got like 60 new players, and that's that's sort of adding to the intrigue of college football. You yeah. know, we don't know. We saw Michigan State do it two years ago with Mel Tucker, and they had this breakout year with all these transfers and when I think he, I think they went 11 and two and they give him a $90 million contract. And then last year he falls to five and seven. And this year the optimism is not very high. So it's just, it's just wild mood swings and success changes. Don't know what to expect out of Arizona state. Uh, the, I will say this about the Sun Devils. They do have an intriguing freshman quarterback. Jaden Rashada is the guy that committed to Florida went down, was ready to go to Gainesville for a $13 million NIL deal. Turns out maybe they misplaced a decimal point. Maybe it's only worth $1.3 million. Some people say maybe it was only uh, keep going to the left. It might have been uh, 130000 Who knows? But he said, this is a scam. I'm getting out of here. He lands at Arizona State. He's from, you know, he's from that area. And um, he's, he's the future for the Sun Devils. I think he'll have the, the quarterback edge. Uh, at uh, at that at Sun Devil Stadium on Saturday night, no matter who pops in as the OSU quarterback. But speaking well, of which, who is going yeah. to pop in as the OSU quarterback? <laughs> I it, it's it's got to be the the most intriguing question about Oklahoma State. Who who do they trot out, and when do they trot them out at quarterback, Barry? I mean, if they go with the same system that they went last week, just in in general, it's a third, a third, a third. But who starts the game? Do they use these non-conference games to mix around the different um, the different quarterbacks? You know, if they do, if they're saying, "Hey, now we're going to start Alan Bowman and put um, you know Rangel second, Gunner third, or move them all up so Rangel finishes the game," or maybe they're going to do it based on um, you know who had the best game last Saturday. If that's the case, I think it's Gunner Gundy that gets the start. Now, who if they do the thirds? Who, who's maybe that second guy? I have no idea. But I, I think that there's a good chance that we see multiple quarterbacks. I'm not sure they decided anything in that opener. So all that being said, maybe we're going with the exact same thing we saw in the opener. Um, these guys splitting the game in thirds. And then the order, to me, is a little bit up in the air. So I'm not sure exactly what, what we will see out of Oklahoma State. Well, I think it's fool's gold to try to predict what Mike Gundy will do. Um, he threw us a curveball last last week. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. Who who predicted that? But let me ask you: forget what he's going to do. What would you do? 
You're going to go to Tempe on Saturday night. You're going to try to beat Arizona State. Jacko, Jenny Carlson's the head coach of the Cowboys. What's your quarterback plan? I think I might start Alan Bowman because he's a veteran guy uh, He who has started road games. I mean, this isn't going to be the most hostile environment Oklahoma State's going to face all, all year, but I think if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna mix around the order, maybe this is the time to start Bowman because it's a road game. Um, it's he he did not play the best of the three to to in that opener, but I think considering it's on the road, maybe it just slide everybody up. Bowman starts, Gundy comes in next, then Rangel comes in in, in uh, deep relief. I, that if it was me, that's what I would do. You know, I actually like that idea. Uh, I find it charming that a coach in, in 2023 says, you know what? I don't know who's the best quarterback. Let's play them all. Uh, you don't, especially if there's three of them, you don't see yeah. that much. Yeah. Uh, I do like changing the order around, not because I think I see something or I, I sense some sort of uh, recipe. I just think it'd give you some more information. Was there something about the order that made these guys play the way they played? I know this, when Gunnar Gundy came in the game in the, you know, late in the third quarter, uh, throughout the fourth quarter, for some reason, the OSU running game caught fire. It hadn't done much at all. Is that because of something Gunnar Gundy was able to do? Is that because yeah. of a game plan change? Is that just because Central Arkansas got worn down in the, in the interior? I don't know. But I'd like to see, you know, whether it's Bowman or Gunnar starting, um, put everybody in a different time slot and, and uh, see what's happened. You're too young to remember this, but people used to do this all the time on network television. Uh, they would they would mix and match uh, the shows and try to find the right time slot that works. Um, you know, some did, some didn't. But um, uh, last question about the Sun Devils and um, somebody like me, an old guy. I remember when Arizona State was sort of a cool kid. Uh, they were a little bit. They were a little bit Brigham Young before Brigham Young was Brigham Young. They were a little bit Central Florida-ish. We didn't get to see a lot of them. They're out there in the desert playing late night. We didn't have cable television. They won a bunch of games. They had this legendary coach. Had a bunch of players that went on to play in the NFL. Um, they end up going 12-0 uh, and 0 in 1975, finished number two in the polls. Arizona State sort of had a mystique about it. That must, they go to the Pac-12, and all of a sudden you get to watch them all the time, and you realize they're just sort of so-so, and, you know, they've been pretty mediocre. Now they're coming to the Big 12. What do you expect out of Arizona State starting next year? I don't, I'm not looking for a prediction, but just in terms of Arizona State in the Big 12, what's sort of your, your vibe on that whole relationship? You know, it's interesting. I mean, it seems like to me that at least upper upper management at Arizona State not exactly thrilled about the move to the Big 12. Would just as soon have had the the Pac-12 stay together. Clearly that was that was not happening. I mean the 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 broadcast deal that they were talking about was going to be untenable quite honestly for these schools. I mean it wasn't going to be anything financially that any of them wanted a part of. So there's they're a reluctant uh they're a reluctant member of the Big 12 maybe um, I don't know if they're as reluctant as Utah. It seems like Utah has been a little bit, um, there's been some talk from them about this is a short time deal. I, you know, so I don't know. I don't know who's more reluctant, but you know, it's, it strikes me that Arizona state, obviously they're not in as good a recruiting area as, you know, the Texas schools, the Florida schools, the California schools, 
But Phoenix cranks out some players, Barry. I mean, you don't have to look very far. You can look onto our local teams over the last few years and find some pretty good Arizona uh, players, the Phoenix area, area especially. So it's sort of surprising to me that Arizona State hasn't been able to capitalize on that a little bit more. Um, now, maybe that was when they were going great. Maybe they, that was their recruiting hotbed and other people have come in and taken it away from them. I don't know if moving to the Big 12 makes a ton of difference in the recruiting, but it feels like they should be able to get some local kids that could be big difference makers for them. I don't know that they come in and they're challenging for a conference title or anything like that. Um, I, I think Utah is speaking of Utah. I think that's where they fit in, but you know, I think Arizona state, they've got a chance to, to, to sort of jump in, you know, to that middle range, be a contender, be a, a team that, um, you know, could mess up, uh, the, the runs of some other teams, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, Dillingham to me is the bigger question. What does he do with Arizona state? Could he get them back to something that looks more like, years pass. But um, yeah, I'm intrigued by Arizona State, but more because I just, I'm not sure what their trajectory is right now. You know, one thing that I think is they're going to have to readjust is, and this is one reason why so many of the administration was uh, was connected and beholding to the to the Pac-12, is Arizona State has uh, has connected with Southern California, not the university, the the place, um, as a big recruiting ground for students in general, and sort of a, their identity is to go west and and make an impact. And you know, in the same way that that OU and Dallas or OSU and Houston have you know crossed the state line and say, hey, this is a come come make this a destination. Arizona State's done that with with California, particularly the southern part. They're going to have to rearrange that. They don't have that USC UCLA tie anymore. Uh, they like to recruit football players out of that. Can they still do that? I don't know. It, it's always been for 30, 40 years. Arizona State has seemed to be a sleeping giant. And the question becomes, uh, if the giant never wakes, is it really a giant? So that, I think that's what we'll find out uh, starting next year in the Big 12. Hey, Jacko, we got a few minutes. Let's do some rapid fire. Okay. Let me just uh, do some – let's do some – uh, just uh, quick thoughts on certain games that are being played. It's a fabulous weekend of college football. Here you go. Colorado, Nebraska, the Huskers are in Boulder. Yeah, I like Colorado in this one. And after last week beating TCU, I think Nebraska is not nearly the test that TCU was. So I like Colorado to win again, Barry. I ranked Matt Rule the number one hire in this coaching carousel from last year. I had Deion Sanders well down the line. I can't remember where. I would look it up, but I would embarrass myself, and I don't want to do that. How stupid was I for not having Deion Sanders at the top? I don't know how stupid you were, but he's so far home run. And if and I don't see him, I don't see him slowing down. I I, I see him beating Nebraska. I'm on the bandwagon myself. In Tuscaloosa, Alabama, we've got Texas in town for Alabama. What do you think about uh, this uh, this SEC preview? Yeah, I, you know, I like Alabama because they're at home, but I think Texas has got as, as close a team being able to compete with Alabama uh, as, you know, a lot of non-SEC teams would. So, if there's a time for the Big 12 to pull a big non-conference upset, 
this might be it. Now, it's ironic that it could be Texas as it heads to the SEC doing the, the upset for the Big 12. But I'll pick Alabama, but I think Texas has got a legit shot to pull a big one here. Here's what I think Texas's problem is. All offseason, fall camp, this whole time, everybody's talking about Alabama's quarterback problem, Alabama's quarterback problem, Alabama's quarterback problem. And everybody is saying, you know, Quinn Ewers is a first-round draft pick out of Austin. Are we sure that Alabama doesn't have the best quarterback in this game? Jalen Milroy looked pretty good. Quinn Ewers looked like the Quinn Ewers of Stillwater exactly. uh, when he was playing against Rice. I'm not sure Texas has the quarterback edge. If they don't have the quarterback edge, they're going to get hammered. I got news for you. Hey, here's a fascinating game. Texas Tech hosts Oregon coming off that upset loss at, at Wyoming. Red Raiders, a big disappointment last week. They get a chance at redemption against the Ducks. I'm going to Oregon, but, you know, again, this is one of those I wouldn't be surprised if because that's the type of game that, you know, Texas Tech gets to turn the, the tables on Oregon the way Wyoming turned them on them. A, a tough road environment. People are going to be fired up. I know probably not quite as fired up had they actually won at Wyoming. But I go Oregon, but beware, Ducks. Lubbock is no joke. This is my upset special. I'm going with Tech. Here's why. We're all down on the Red Raiders because they lost at Wyoming. Guess where no self-respecting football team wants to go? Laramie, Wyoming. Let me tell you another place no self-respecting football team wants to go. Lubbock, Texas. These are lonesome dove type places. These are frontier. This is where uh, you got to be tough to survive. I actually think there's going to be a little bit of culture shock for Oregon. Uh, I think Texas Tech has a lot of motivation in this game. They're sore over losing at Wyoming. They're quarterback by Tyler Shaw, who transferred from Oregon. He's got uh, something to prove. He was good at Oregon. He's been good at Tech. He gives the uh, he gives the Red Raiders a chance to uh, a chance to uh, win. And here's another thing: the Tech brass. Joey, this was a little before Joey McGuire's time, but uh, he he got the memo. You know, when the Big Twelve was uh, was in trouble two years ago, and uh, they needed a lifeline, and some of these schools were looking to the Pac-12 as potential landing points. It became pretty clear the Pac-12 wasn't interested in the Big 12 schools. And one of the lines was from the people like Stanford and Cal and Oregon and Washington. We don't want to be in a league with Kansas State. We don't want to be in a league with Oklahoma State. We don't want to be in a league with Texas Tech. Well, Oregon is not in a league with Texas Tech, but they're going to be sharing a football field. And I think all week they've been getting their minds filled with this uh, – with this news that uh, the Ducks think they're better than the Red Raiders, I think Texas Tech can pull this upset. All right, here's another good one. There's a big, uh, not just OSU Arizona State for a 2024 Big 12 preview. We got Utah coming to Waco, the fighting Baylor Bears, except Baylor gets wasted by Texas State. 42-31 last year. Does Baylor have a chance at home against Utah? Here's how much of a chance they've got. Zero. Zero percent chance, Barry. I got Utah winning. And by the way, 
Our good buddy, uh, a good buddy, Kelly Damphus is the chancellor at Texas Ooh, Tech. That's nice. uh, helped to hire uh, GJ Kenny, the new coach at Texas Tech that upended Baylor. But I'm a big believer in Utah. Love what they're doing. Love again that you know they they won they won huge in their opener. And their quarterback is standing on the sidelines, you know, with a clipboard recovering from an ACL injury. So I'm a big Utah believer. I'll go Utah beating Baylor. Uh, but man, the Bears, that was that was not a good look losing to Texas Tech, Barry. First of all, congrats to G.J. Kenny, former Tulsa quarterback, who's off to a sensational start as the head coach at Texas State. You know, the Bobcats haven't won really in forever since they entered Division 1A. They've been big-time losers. People keep thinking they should be a mid-major force. They haven't been. He's hit the transfer portal heavily. Kudos to him. A lot of people at Tulsa wanted G.J. Kenny as the head coach. Texas State got him. He's off to a great start. Here's why Baylor has no chance. I don't know if Cameron Rising is going to start at quarterback, but he's been practicing. He returned to practice this week, so he could be ready. Blake Shapin, the Baylor quarterback, he's out. He got hurt uh, against Texas State. Uh, this is not the way it ought to go. Uh, Baylor needs its quarterback, and it needs Utah to not have its quarterback. The Utes are in great shape. I like them a lot. Now, you're, you're excused from predicting this game since it involves the mighty Kansas Jayhawks. Jenny Jayhawk back on the, uh, on the case. There we uh, go. Illinois comes to Kansas, the Bill Self Bowl. Uh, the uh, let's all forget about football and talk about basketball game, except Brett Belima revives the uh, Illini last year. Your man, your man, Lance Leopold revised the Jayhawks. This is actually a pretty interesting game in Lawrence. Even on a Friday night, we can watch it. So Kansas, Illinois, what do you like? I'll go Kansas. I think it's going to be a pretty good game, but, and I'm, I'm not picking Kansas cause I went there. They had, you know, got my money back in the day. I just think, you know, at home, there is sort of a revived energy uh, sod in Kansas opener. They had a great crowd and, you know, you've seen, well, no, actually you haven't seen it, Barry, because you never go cover games at Kansas, <laughs> but I have seen it in person. You're not supposed to reveal those kinds of secrets. It's in, we, there's printed proof of this, Barry. You have had, when's the last time you had a Lawrence Dateline? Well, for basketball, several times. <laughs> for football, 1998. <laughs> which was uh, the prehistoric era of, of, of uh, when Jenny Carlson moved to town. Yeah, well, so that, all that to say, I have seen bad football crowds in Lawrence, but the crowd for their opener was pretty darn was nice good. by it Kansas standards. Very, very good, yeah. So I, 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 I like the energy that they've created. I think it continues. I think that gives them a home field advantage, which they've had few of over the, the last few years. So I go Kansas. I, I think they're I think they're winners against Illinois. Well, I mean, here's what I, here's what I say about the University of Kansas. Uh, in football, they've produced Gail Sayers. In, uh, in basketball, they've produced Wilt Chamberlain. In journalism, they produce Jenny Carlson. So uh, we're talking about Rushmorean type situations here. So I salute uh, all the good things happening on Mount Oread. Um, I'm going to take Kansas for this reason. Illinois is succeeding at a high level under Belima playing old style football. Kansas is succeeding at a high level comparatively under, uh, under Lance Leopold playing new style football. Turns out we're not in the old age. We're in the new age. I like where Kansas is. Uh, I'm going to uh, 
I'm going to go with the uh, the Jayhawks. All right, uh, last game of the day that we're going to talk about, Iowa State hosts Iowa. I love my Cyclones. You mentioned it earlier, big-time scandal. They're losing players. Can they stick with the Hawkeyes? Well, I think this is – I'm not really impressed by either team, quite honestly, Barry. I mean, Iowa in their opener had a chance to – sort of in the same way Oklahoma State did, put up a big number, win easily. Instead, that offense had struggled so much that they've, you know, put a, a, a minimum uh, point average uh, in, in the, the OC's contract. They scored 24. I mean, I, I don't really love either team, but I'll go with Iowa because I, I like their defense probably a little bit better. But neither of these teams impressed me all that much, Barry. No, I'm going to take the Hawkeyes, but I know this. Iowa State has a chance because Iowa does not create separation. They don't blow anybody out. You can stick close to the Hawkeyes. If you stick close, you got a chance to win. Hey, so remember, games this Saturday, the Sooners host SMU at 5 p.m. Jacko will be there. OSU's at Arizona State at 9.30 p.m. Oklahoma time. I'll be there. We'll be all over those games for Sellout Crowd. You can find all of our content at Sellout Crowd. Uh, you can find this show YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you get your favorite podcast. And, of course, you can find us at selloutcrowd.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.